0: The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 65. This is the 14th episode in a series on the Book of Romans I'm titling Christianity 101. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I hope you've been joining us for this entire study of the book of Romans. We've got a lot of ground that we've covered so far, and I won't try and summarize it all yet, but I will invite you to go back and listen to the other 13 episodes. We're going to pick up Romans this week, starting in Romans 11, verse 33. Last week, we finished up a section where Paul was talking about Israel and His desire for Israel to be saved and his understanding that that is still part of God's plan. And then suddenly here in chapter 11, he goes into what we'd call a doxology, a little section of praise, and it goes like this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him, and through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It appears here that in the midst of this thought here, where Paul is talking about the deliverance of Israel, he thinks about God And he thinks about the plan and the wisdom and the knowledge of God And just bursts out here into this section of praise And this doxology has three different themes The first one being how far above our thoughts are the thoughts of God How unsearchable his judgments, for instance And the second one being that God doesn't need us In the sense that who has ever given to God that God should repay him That God is never indebted to us, but always the other way around. And then that third thought here is that it's all about God. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. That God is intended to be the center of everything. The center of our lives and from whom everything else derives. Going on into chapter 12... Chapter 12 begins a section in Romans that is less theological and more practical advice, or at least it transitions between the two. And Romans 12, verse 1 starts this section. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this first paragraph here, Paul says, in light of everything that God has done, in view of God's mercy, so if we remember that God has not punished us when we deserve to be punished, which is the definition of mercy, Offer yourselves as sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So, in response to what God has done through Jesus, and that sacrifice that Jesus gave that allowed God to show us mercy, you then should respond to that by a sacrificial love to God. I then should respond to God to offer my body as a living sacrifice. This, Paul says, is worship. Worship isn't going to church, singing hymns, listening to a sermon. Worship is a sacrificial love that gives back to God and conforms to what God wants to do. Or transforms is the word Paul uses here. So he says, rather than living like everyone else, rather than conforming to the pattern of the world, be transformed, let God in to renew us, to transform us, starting with our minds, to transform the way that we think. And then he says, when we've changed our minds, when our minds have literally been transformed, they have been renewed, then he says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and perfect and pleasing will. So God will give us an idea of what it is that he wants us to do as he changes us. And I think, Part of the process here by which he changes is, obviously, he acts through the Holy Spirit, and we'll get a little more of that theme later on, but also he is using, I believe, prayer and that communion with God, that time spent with God, to transform how we think. Prayer, I think, is, is dangerous if you're afraid of change. That is a process, that is a tool that God uses to change us, to bring about this transformation, this renewing. Paul goes on to say, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you, Just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is in serving, let him serve. If it is in teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is in contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is in showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So Paul starts this and says, okay, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. You're not more important. Talk about sober judgment. Now, you're not less important either. Paul really is encouraging us to have sober judgment. In other words, to see ourselves as we are, strengths and weaknesses. So he says, don't think of yourself more highly. Don't look around and think of yourself better than everybody else, especially everyone else in the church, because he's talking about members of one body. Because obviously that's something that's going to be a barrier to community. But also, don't think of yourself less than you should, in the sense that don't say, well, God hasn't given me anything. God hasn't given me any gifts. I'm not like so-and-so who has all of these wonderful gifts. That doesn't matter. He says, if you have the gift of, and then goes through this list and says, use the gifts you've been given. Right? And he says, whatever it is. If it's in teaching, let him teach. Encouraging, let him encourage. Contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. Whatever gifts special abilities God has given you, realize that they are a gift from God and use them accordingly. And so he uses this analogy of a body with many members. It's not quite the full version that he gives in the letter to the Corinthians, but it's the same analogy here, that the members don't have the same function, that we are intended to have different gifts because and obviously in Corinthians he points out you are, the eye can't say to the hand you aren't part of the body because you're not an eye I mean, that basically it would be silly if the body were only of one type it would be useless or silly if God were to give to everyone in one church all the same gifts and so he gives variety and so we should expect variety in gifts both in ourselves and others we should cherish value the variety of the gifts he's given us, as well as the variety in the gifts he's given others. And we should use them. And then to finish up this chapter, Paul says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is just so much in these verses. Paul is giving basically a practical definition of love. This whole section in my Bible, this whole set of four paragraphs or so, is labeled love. So he starts with love was evil. But then he goes into all of these other things like hospitality and like sharing with God's people and bless those who persecute you and don't repay anyone evil for evil and if your enemy is hungry, feed him and such. That is just another way of defining what he means when he says love. Remember above, present yourself as living sacrifices. This is a sacrificial love. This is not a Hollywood, you love me, I love you, we're so good, we're so happy together kind of love. This is a love that says, I love you no matter what. I love you even if you persecute me. I love you even if you do evil to me. I love you even if you are my enemy. That's the love that Jesus showed. This is the love of the person who was on a cross nailed up there by roman soldiers looked down on them and said father forgive them they know not what they do so that's what he's defining here and he says it is it hates evil it clings to good it's devoted to one another it's devoted to one another i think of the first crush you had in maybe high school where you just can't do enough for the other person you look for ways of pleasing them that is devotion and it and Paul is saying that is love that is how we should treat one another honor one another above ourselves looking for others first sacrificial P- putting my needs putting my self centered view, which is how I usually view the world, putting that aside and saying, maybe someone else has needs that are more important than mine. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. And then there's a section here, be joyful in hope. Okay. Patient in affliction. That's harder. And then faithful in prayer. I'm always pleased to see, when I see in the Bible, this call to be joyful, because I know that sometimes, especially in an American Christian tradition, there have been places where we thought of joy as being un-Christian, and it is definitely not, it is something that we are called to be in the Bible. We are called to be joyful. We're also called to be patient and faithful to be sharing people, to practice hospitality, which is just a practical way of sharing what you have. In case you didn't understand when he said share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality as a way to, to share what we have, what we've been given to us. And then these last two sections here are the hard stuff. When he says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Don't repay evil for evil. If your enemy hungry, feed them. He is calling for a radical, transformed thinking in the beginning of this chapter. And now he's saying, don't just think different. But because God has changed us to think different, we will act different. Not proud, not conceited, willing to associate with other people. We won't think of ourselves as more important. We won't think of ourselves first. We won't take revenge. This is thinking different. And this is a life that we are called to that is born out of that transformation by the renewing of our minds because we remember God's mercy towards us. Because that's what it all goes back to in the beginning of the chapter is in light of the mercy that God has shown us. We should be changed. And with that, we'll bring this episode of the Bible Study Podcast to a close. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to send them to host at com, or post them as a comment at com. And as always, thanks so much for listening.